Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. They're beneath the surface, they're overlooked, but they're powerful and they're essential. They're unseen, but did you know that roots can destroy concrete? Have you ever been in that situation where you see just a simple root from a tree will bust up concrete? Or one of the things that I've seen before that kind of blew my mind was, I don't know if y'all remember these, but they used to do plumbing with these big, I guess it was kind of ceramic material, and big tree roots would go right through. They, they can move those kinds of things. Roots are essential to sustain life. They produce all of the seen life and all of the seen fruit. Now, what we do is we like to brag about fruit. But what we seldom do is stop and think about what's beneath the surface because what's beneath the surface is directly responsible for what we see above the ground and directly responsible for maintaining what is above the ground. So we very seldom ever stop to think about roots, and that gets us into trouble a lot of times because have you ever met somebody who didn't have the roots to, to sustain the fruit of their life? They, they show up on scene, and they're anointed, and they're powerful, but because they have no root system in their life, they don't have the, the necessary foundation to sustain what God is trying to accomplish in their life. So roots are extremely important in our life. I, I discovered I, I'm not much of a scientist, although science was my favorite uh, subject in school. I had to go look this up. I went and looked up, what do roots do? And there were a, a number of things that roots do, but two, thing is, two things in particular caught my attention. I want to mention them to you. The first was that the root cap, which is the top part of the root, secretes a substance that acts as a lubricant to, act, to aid or assist in its movements. And so what I, I stopped and I started thinking about that. And what I think you're going to discover over the next three or four weeks as we talk about our root system is that these things that we're going to talk to aid in our movement. We will never move into what God wants us to move into. We will never become or be established into what God wants to establish us to become if we don't have roots. They help us move. The second thing that they do is a root anchors a plant during a storm. And they provide sustenance in dry weather. Now, I don't know if you've been reading your email lately or watching television, but I, I got an email just a couple of days ago that when I read it kind of took me aback because there are a lot of prophecies and predictions going out right now that are pretty scary. That we are headed for a tough time. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out through what TV shows us that through the economy and other things that there, there's a really good possibility that we're going to face some tough days ahead. And so therefore, if that is the case, then what we need to do is we need to stay rooted. See, I, I, uh, I think it's essential as Christians and a, particularly as a body of believers that are joined together to occasionally go back and do a root check. Now, I know when we start talking about hairdos, we, we, we don't want anybody to look at us and say, I can see your roots. I, I don't think the guys care too much, but the ladies don't want somebody to say, I, I can see your roots. But this morning and over the next few weeks, what I want us to do is I don't, I don't want us just to kind of glimpse at roots. I want us to dig deep and I want us to do a real deep root check 
to find out what we're tied to so that we understand what our foundation is. I want us to get them out, get the, to uncover the roots and examine them very closely so we know what we're anchored to. The truth is, is that our roots are in plain sight every week. We just never really dealt with it before, but, but I'm going to explain to you this morning. What we've done is, is we believe that our roots empower us and enable us to accomplish the purpose that God has for us as a body. We're going to talk about our purpose here in a moment. But it is our root system that enables us to grow into that. And so I want us to look at our roots. They're our underpinning. They are our, our foundation. They're what we build on. And they are in plain view. You may just not have realized it. That's what these banners are about around the outside edge. They're not just for decorations. We've never really stopped and talked about these things, but these eight things are our root system. They are the things that tie us into who we are. And so these are the things that keep us moving. These are the things that keep us strong. These are the things that we must remain passionate about. So here they are. Here are the eight root systems that we have in place. We believe in praise. We believe in purpose. We, we're rooted to people. We're rooted to place. And I'll explain that more later. We're rooted to prayer. We're rooted to Pentecost. We're rooted to presence. And we're rooted to preaching. That is our root system. And so what I want to do this morning is I want us to take just a few moments and I want us to look at two vital roots. that, And we'll go through these over the course of the next couple of weeks. But I want us to look at these main two ones this morning. I want us to look at praise and at purpose, all right? Just for a few minutes this morning. to my man's feet.
Why don't you sit down? I can't sit down. Sit down, I told you. I can't sit down. Go away, don't bother me. I can't sit down. Be Praise is a life-giving root to us. I, I believe that we're purposed to praise. I believe that's what we're created to do. And I know that what you expect, when you come to church, you expect somebody to stay, stand up and say, you know, we're supposed to praise. We're supposed to worship. But have we ever really stopped to think, why is praise so important? Have we ever stopped and asked this question, why should we spend time, why should we take time out in a service to worship God? Why? Why is, is it so important? How does praise anchor us and move us and sustain us in our walk with God? What is so important about praise? Why is it one of the root systems that gives us life? I want you to look in your, your Old Testament to 1 Chronicles chapter 20. There's a lesson that we can learn in this passage of Scripture. It's probably one of the most familiar portions of Scripture when you deal with praise. It's in 1 Chronicles chapter 20. It begins in verse 1. It says, Sometime later, the Moabites and the Ammonites, accompanied by the Meunites, joined forces to make war on Jehoshaphat. Verse 20. They were up early in the morning, ready to march into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they were leaving, Jehoshaphat stood up and said, Listen, Judah and Jerusalem, listen, listen to what I have to say. Believe firmly in God, your God, and your lives will be firm. Believe in your prophets and you'll come out on top. After talking it over with the people, Jehoshaphat appointed a choir for God, dressed in holy robes, and they were to march ahead of the troops singing, giving thanks to God, his love never quits. As soon as they started shouting and praising, God set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and the Mount Seir as they were attacking Judah, and they all ended up dead. And the Ammonites and Moabites mistakenly attacked those from Mount Seir and massacred them. Then further confused, they went at each other and all ended up killed. And as Judah came up over the rise, looking into the wilderness for the horde of barbarians, they looked on a killing field of dead bodies, not a living soul among them. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to carry off the plunder, they found more loot than they could carry off. Equipment, clothing, valuables. It took three days to cart it away. Verse 30. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for as God gave him rest around about. The truth is, is in this account that I've just read to you, the army that Jehoshaphat and the children of Israel faced was huge. And not only was it huge, it was a hostile army. And what I want to say to you this morning is this. The reason that praise is so important for us is because the armies that we face, the uh, enemy that we face right now is a huge enemy. And I would also say to you this morning that the enemy that we're coming up against is not a nice enemy. He is a hostile enemy and he wants to take over territory. And not only does he want to take over territory, he wants to take over our territory. And so we need to be rooted to praise. There are several things that praise does for us. And so I want you to write these down. The first thing is this. No praise equals no victory. And 
Here's the other part of this. If there's no praise, we have to fight for ourselves. See, David was very clear throughout the Psalms that God fights for us. On numerous occasions, he, he asks and cries out to God, God, fight my battles. In fact, in Psalms chapter 35, verse 1, David said this, Harass these hecklers, God. Punch these bullies in the nose. Grab a weapon, anything at hand, and stand up for me. David, throughout his writing, calls God our shield. He calls him our buckler, our strong tower, a very present help in the time of need. David recognized that God will fight for us. But what Jehoshaphat's uh, situation and circumstance teaches us is this. There is a hinge pin. pin. There is a, a root. There is a foundation that will determine whether or not God will fight for us. And that hinge pin is praise. Very clearly, we discover that if we don't praise, we don't win victory. And if we don't praise, we have to fight for ourselves. I don't know about you, but I don't want to fight for myself. I've discovered something in my own life. When I fight, I lose. But when God fights for me, I win. Silence equals surrender. If you don't praise, you are surrendering to the enemy. I, I, I just discovered, discovered something. Jehoshaphat's unlikely victory teaches us something. It teaches us that when we worship God, God goes before us, and I like this part, and he not only routes the enemy, he, the Bible says he sets ambushes for them. He lies in wait for them. And I don't know what's going on in your life, and I don't know what situations you're going to face in this coming year, but I would just declare to you that I got some things in my life that I want God to ambush. I want God to hide around the corner. Get that picture in your mind. God hiding around the corner from your defeat and from your enemy and from your tough situation and your, your heartbreaking circumstance. God lies in wait around the corner, and as you praise him, when your problem walks past that corner, God jumps out and grabs him and defeats him. When we don't praise God, we leave our enemies unambushed. I know that's not a word, but, but that's exactly what happens when we fail to worship God on a daily basis, not just on Sunday. This is just the icing on the cake. This is just a build-up to what you've been doing all week. You ought to be ready to go when you get here because you've been praising God in your car and praising God at your house and praising God in your car and at work and at school. And everywhere you go, your lifestyle should be a lifestyle of praise. You should be rooted to praise. And when you do that, God will ambush your enemies and he will fight for you. The second thing we discover is that our praise goes before our victory in it was a Easter morning in 1799, and the people of Fed, Feldkirch, Austria, were terrified. Right outside the city, Napoleon's armies had gathered, and they were getting ready to march on this city, and they were going to kill everybody and take over and, and rule and reign in that area. And the people were absolutely terrified to the point that they'd come to the conclusion that we just need to surrender. Let's just run the white flag up and surrender and maybe they won't kill us all and we'll just give in to the enemy. But there was a bishop there that made a decision. He stood up in front of the people and he said, you know what? It's Easter. And since it's Easter, we need to make sure that we take care of that. He said it like this. He says, this is Easter day. This is the day of our king's resurrection. We must have one moment of triumph. Let us at least ring all the bells of Easter. And the people were terrified, but they, they said, you know, that's a pretty good idea. So they went in and they began to ring all the church bells. And they rang a celebration song for Easter. Something interesting happened outside the city. 
Napoleon's armies heard the bells going and his generals got together and tried to figure out what was going on. Why are they celebrating? Something's changed. What's happened? And what they came to the conclusion, they concluded that the Austrian army must have arrived during the middle of the night and now they're positioning themselves to defend the city and so they're, they're celebrating because reinforcements have shown up and because they've shown up, let's flee. And before the bells ever stopped, Napoleon's army turned and ran and fled and retreated. And what they discovered is this, our praise drives off our enemy. See, most of us like to praise once our enemy's already gone. Yes, there's praise after victory, but there is a praise that must take place before victory. Jehoshaphat teaches us something very crucial for our existence and for us to grab onto and be rooted to, and that is this, your victory is wrapped up in your praise. That's why in Psalms chapter 8, verse 2, David said this, From the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger, teaching us that even childlike praise is destined to silence our enemies. I don't know who's talking to you. I don't know who's been bad-mouthing you. I don't know who's been making fun of you and ridiculing you and pointing fingers at you. I don't know what voice has been shouting against you. All I know is this, that according to God's word, even childlike praise, when, we go, when it goes before us, will silence our enemies. That's why I'm not interested in putting on some praise and worship show. That's why I'm not interested in coming here and just having slick worship. I believe, I am convinced that when we come together to worship, we are engaging in hand-to-hand -hand combat. This is battle. This is warfare. Our worship is, it should be raw. Yes, there should be an element of excellence, and I believe that we have that. But there must be an edge of rawness about us, a, a, a level of guts about us, where we come together and we worship, understanding that we are in battle, and our worship should be stained by blood. The blood of the enemy. That's what worship is all about. I believe this. I believe that our enemy should be, he should tuck tail and run when we begin to worship. First note, not when the worship leader gets you cranked up. First note, there should be so much praise and so much worship going before us that the enemy should leave terrified, shaken, trembling in fear, knowing that our victory leads, our praise leads to our victory. So that means this. When you get here, you need to be ready to be engaged in praise. That means this, you got to get here and become engaged in worship. That means you don't become a spectator. That means you don't watch the praise and worship team do their thing. That means we each take out our weapon, which is our praise, and we engage in battle so that victory is won. And let me just stop as a side note here. Your praise can be, be the, the force of victory for somebody else. Did you know that you might be sitting next to people during the course of a Sunday that don't have any ability to praise? They're exhausted. They're worn out. And when you praise the praise and the worship that God has placed in you, when you sing the song that God has birthed in you, what it does is it produces not only victory in your life, but victory in their life too. You need to praise. We are rooted to praise. The third thing that praise does is this. It provides plunder. See, I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to verse 25. Because verse 25 said that when Jehoshaphat and the people worshipped and they praised, that God provided and he, he killed all the folks, caused them to turn on one another. And the Bible says there was so much plunder left that it took them three days to carry it off. 
I don't know what you're waiting on, but I'm waiting on the day when our praise produces plunder in this place, so much plunder that we can't carry it all off. See, I've already told you that in the past that God will prosper us, but I'm not saying that God will give us all brand new cars. I am saying that God has provision and blessings for us, but it is, it is dependent upon our willingness and our level of praise. The day that God has planned for us out there in the future where he will prosper us beyond measure, where there will be so much plunder and so much spoils from the enemy, that day is out there, but it is directly linked to our willingness to praise. See, I believe that God has all kinds of plunder for us. I believe he's got healings laying out there for us. I believe he's got unwanted and unlikely people out there in the fringe somewhere that need to be brought into the body. I believe he's got blessings for us and all these things. He wants to sustain us. But the reality is, is that that is wrapped up and determined by your willingness to praise. And I want to tell you this morning, if we will praise, God has plunder laid up for us that we can't even carry. So what that means for us is this, since we've already said this, our praise is a weapon and that we are in warfare, there are always spoils that go to the victor. So what that means for us in our own personal lives and in a, as a body is this, if we have no spoils, it may be an indication that we have no praise. Oh, that went over huge. If you've got no victory in your life and you're not seeing any of this plunder that God has laid up for us, then what that may be an indication of is that you're not praising enough. Boy, I'm going to have to go on, I guess. Y'all didn't like that one, but it's the truth. It's the truth for our church. We come in here and do our praise thing, but if we're not praising at the level that God has called us to and going into his presence where he's called us to, he will not give us plunder because our plunder is based upon our willingness and our depth of praise. So I'm calling you to a higher level and a deeper depth. Of worship and praise. The, the next thing that praise do, does is it praise produces peace. Verse 30 tells us that God gave Jehoshaphat rest and peace during the rest of his reign. Praise produces peace. It is imperative that we root to praise because when we begin to praise God with everything that is within us, we discover and find peace. I want to tell you, in this world, in this environment that we live in, we need peace. The people around us need peace. And the only way we get that peace is when we praise and worship God. When we refocus our attention on God, everything else fades away. You may have walked in stressed out. You may have walked in wigged out. You may have walked in freaked out. But the reality is, is that if you would ever stop and think about God and think about how awesome He is and turn your attention on Him, all that stuff seems to fade away. Peace comes troubles vanish rest overtakes us why what is it about praise and worship that produces peace in us why when we worship and praise God is there peace that comes over our life let me tell you two reasons number one our perspective changes that's what happens when we praise our problems or our adversaries or our difficulties or our challenges may seem huge but in comparison to God not so much Nothing we can face is bigger than God. And so when we get up focused on Him and our, our mind is off of all this other stuff and we refocus our attention, do you know what praise and worship really is? It's vision correction. It's like going down and getting Lasix for your spirit. 
That's what it really is. You suddenly get 20-20 vision in your spirit and you understand everything I've been facing, God has already got that under control and God already has a solution and God already has a victory laid up for me. Now that my mind is off what I can't handle and what I can't work out, I refocus my attention on God and I get clear perspective. See, just because you praise and worship doesn't mean your circumstance will change. What it does mean is your view of your circumstance will change. See, in, when I begin to understand his power and his authority and his reach and his strength and his ability, my problems become small. That's what happens. One glimpse can change my whole perspective of him. That's why our time together in praise and worship is so important. That's why I want to challenge you for the rest of this year. Quit paying attention to the worship leader. I know she's beautiful, but quit paying attention to her. I wasn't talking about you, Tari. I was talking about... I understand. All right? But the truth is, is that we're not here to watch them perform. What I want to challenge you to do is get your eyes off of them and refocus your attention on him. And when you do that, at that moment, you will find peace. The second reason that peace is produced by worship is this. We become like what we worship. As we, we become like what we worship, I can prove that to you out of Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 5. It says this, they worshiped worthless statues of gods, then they, then they themselves became worthless. When you worship something worthless, you become worthless. So when we worship, when we root to praise and worship, we become like what we worship. So if you worship superficial things, you become superficial. Oh, I know y'all ain't never met nobody that's superficial, but I have. And what I discovered is they're worshiping superficial things. They're worshiping cars and houses and clothes. And Oh, man, it's quiet in this house this morning. But I'm telling you, if you worship superficial things, you become superficial. If you worship perverted things, you become perverted. If you worship evil things, you become evil. But if you worship the true God, you become godly. We become like what we worship. See, our goal as a body is to help you to become Christ-like. Therefore, in order for that to happen, we must worship Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 tells us that as God's Spirit works in us, we become more and more like Him. That happens when we worship. If you worship something that's worthless, you become Worthless. If you worship something of worth, you become a person of worth. Worship, listen to this, worship doesn't change God. I don't know where we got this idea. If I sing on the perfect pitch and I play the right note and I sing long enough and hard enough, it will change God. No, it doesn't. The Bible says that God never changes. So what does worship change? It changes us. It changes our perspective. It allows us to be, become better. We come up. Do you know that we gain peace because the one we worship is peace personified and we become like what we worship. Now, it's crucial that we stay rooted to praise. That's why if you want to go onto our website, you can do this. Somebody asked me not too long ago, do you have a, a, a statement of your beliefs? Yes, you can find it on our website. I encourage you to check it out sometime. But let me just remind you of what we believe about praise. It very clearly states on our website that, that we believe that, and de declare boldly that we believe in passionate times of praise and worship, that these, will be, these times will be intense, deep, 
full of life, and will assist people encountering God. In other words, you won't offend us if you worship. We won't be taken aback by the fact that you worship. It won't bother us if you come in here and worship. That's what this is designed for. So that we root to praise and worship. We also state this. We believe in protecting the flow of the Holy Spirit. We will not hurry. We will not break the flow for unnecessary activities. And I want to tell you this morning, I am not willing to back down from that. When God says stop and keep singing, we'll stop and keep singing. When God says stay on a song, we will stay on a song. When there is a flow going, whether we understand what God's trying to accomplish or not, we will lock into that flow because when we praise, it produces victory in our life. It produces is plunder in our life and it produces peace in our life. We must stay rooted to praise. That's why we give a significant portion of our services to praise and worship because we believe that it is crucial for us to be who God has called us to be. We must be involved in praise. Now, the second thing that we're looking at is purpose and I'm not going to stay here very long. I just want to talk to you for a moment. We believe in praise. We've got to be rooted to praise but we're also rooted to purpose. See, Everything has a purpose. Everything has a purpose. For instance, a chair is designed for two things. One, to, to support weight and to provide you a place to sit down. So the, the, the purpose determines the design, right? I, why did we come up with a chair? Because I needed a place to sit down. So our purpose determines that design, and that's true in anything in life. Why do we have cars? Because we needed a, pl- a, a method of getting from one place to another. The purpose determines the design. The same is true for this body. Our purpose determined the design of our body. And I just want to tell you, our purpose is simple. Easy for you to remember. You ought to already know it by now. We have done everything we can do to make our purpose clear and plain to you. And you know that as the three E's, right? Our purpose is very simple. There was a, there was a, a, a design in mind. It's our intention. God has intended for us to do three things and to do them well. Number one, encounter God. Number two, equip people. And number three, engage our culture. That is our purpose. That is what we are going to continue to be rooted to, nothing else. I want you to know there are great God things out there. There are all kinds of God-breathed ideas that are powerful and really cool, but they don't fit within our purpose, and it may come the day, the day may come, it's already come, and you just don't know it, when we will be offered other purposes to tie into, and at that moment, we have to go back to our root system and say, no, that does not line up with our purpose. We are about encountering God, equipping people, and engaging our culture, and that is it, and we will do those three things well. Therefore, our purpose, what God has called us to do, it it determined a very simple, focused design. We will do those three things. Well, the second part of that purpose is that we said we would equip people. Therefore, as a part of our purpose, we are determined and committed to helping you discover your purpose. So you've got to find out what you are here for. See, it's not enough for this church to know its purpose until you know your purpose too. It's essential. In fact, it's apparent from Paul's writings in Ephesians chapter 14, verse 16, that for us to fulfill our purpose, you must find your purpose. He said it like this, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, 
according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now, what in the world does that mean? Sometimes Paul confuses me. But I understand what he's saying. He's saying for the body to fulfill its purpose, every joint has to supply. Every person that's sitting under the sound of my voice has a role to play and a part to play. And until you supply what only you can supply, the body is not edified or built up and the body is not established into what the, God has called the body to become. Therefore, in order for us to be everything that God wants passion to be, you have to find and fulfill your purpose, your part. And I just want to tell you, I know this is going to disappoint some of you, but your part is not to fill a seat. That's not your part. God has a role and a plan and a part and something for you to supply to the body. So we have a, a, a specific God-given purpose that Jeremiah understood that. God said to Jeremiah in chapter 1, verse 5, Behold, Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. And before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And then David comes along and he says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. They had a revelation that God had a purpose and a plan for their life. And I want to tell you this morning, God is no respecter of persons. And if he knew Jeremiah before he was born, and if he had a plan for David before he was born, he's got a plan for you. And so therefore, we have to determine what we're fashioned for. We have to find our destiny. we got to find the goals that God has for us. We are rooted in helping each other determine and discover God's purpose and plan. We are rooted to that. And I want to say something to you this morning you come to the church come to our church the rest of your life and I say what are the three E's and you can roll them off your tongue just like you're breathing and you may even know the secret hand signs you know encounter equip engage and you can do all that but you never discover your personal purpose in life we've wasted our time because one of the things that we are rooted to and will continue to be rooted to is you finding your purpose. That's why Passion University is so essential. Because in those classes, although we're on a break right now, when we come back to that, in those classes, and that's why pods are so important, as you hang out with one another and iron sharpens iron, what happens is we discover our purpose together. Well, that's why Angie's testimony is so encouraging. Angie's <clears throat> tapped into this root system. And it's causing her to grow. So I've asked Angie to come and share her testimony this morning. I believe you're going to be blessed because I think what this reveals is that when you tap into your purpose, God changes us and uses us. Good morning. When Pastor called me earlier this week and asked me to share my story, I just kind of laughed. He wouldn't know this, but when I was a lot younger and in a youth group, uh, our youth pastor asked us, when you are 80 years old and look back on your life, what will you have to show for it? Who will you have influenced? Because that is what's going to make your life worth living. And that has always stuck with me, and that's become such a, an integral part of how I've made decisions in my life. A few years ago, um, there was kind of a standing joke with me and my husband because I didn't go to church that often, um, hardly at all, actually. <laughs> and some people were laughing because they knew me back then. Um, but he went every week. He was involved. He was actively involved. And I went 
maybe once a month, in a good month. <laughs> I, uh, at the time, I was working for a social service agency, and I kind of used that as a good excuse. I thought, you know, I don't have to rush to be involved in church because my job's really demanding, and I kind of found purpose there, so I'm okay. The problem is, because I didn't have a purpose to be there on Sundays, I didn't go. And um, I, the times, the few times that I did go to church, it was more of a obligation because it was the right thing to do. When we started coming to Passion, I wanted to do better. And I had really been convicted that having a purpose at your workplace is not enough. You have to be involved in church. So I made the decision to get involved, and I started working in the back on the sound or in the screens and getting involved with Fuel, which is our youth and or um, college and young adult ministry. And I found out that I loved it. I started trying to find new new ideas to make services better. Um, I got really excited when services went well. I became personally involved and was here on Sundays. I had a purpose to be here. And then something else started happening too. You know, being here every Sunday, I would leave church and I would walk out the doors and I would feel really compelled to do better in life. Not because it was the right thing to do, but because my relationship with God was growing deeper and wanted to do better for him. Um, some other things started happening. Um, our marriage grew stronger. We have never been better, and that's a wonderful feeling. Um, friendships grew. Healing took place, and new dreams were birthed. It was a great time. One thing I've learned is that, oh, sorry. One thing I've learned is that finding your purpose is a journey. You know, what used to be my purpose when I was a teenager is very different than what it is now. And God has really been doing some work in my husband and I over the past two years and getting us ready for some big things. And we're excited. I thought I was going to do this without crying, but I guess I'm not. Sorry. I've discovered that not only do you have to have purpose in your workplace and at church, but at home as well. This year, we're getting to ready to adopt our first child, and we are so excited. <laughs> we often wonder, who is this child that God is placing in our lives for us to raise? We know, we know that we know that we know that this is God orchestrated and God led. We are so convinced of that. We don't know what this will look like at the end of all of this, but the one thing that I do know is that living life with a purpose in all areas of our life is so much better than living with none. Thanks. Yeah, House and Angie and, and Julie and I went out to eat. You always get nervous as a pastor when you get that call, we need to go eat. I was like, oh, great. Here we go. <clears throat> They're mad. Uh, you know, you never know. And uh, we went and sat down, and they shared their, their new news. They just, uh, just applied with House's tribe, actually, and they're going to adopt a little baby. Hopefully, it's going to be a little baby. They put a little age thing on there, and we're excited with them. I just believe that God is producing in them 
what he wanted to produce all along. It's all wrapped up in our purpose. And so what I want to say to you this morning is this. We have to find your purpose. We. You're not in this alone. If you're in this alone, it's by your choice. The, the design d is determined by the intention. And our intention was to connect you with one another. And you're going to hear a whole lot about our pod groups in the coming weeks. But let me just say to you this morning that it is designed to connect you so that together we find your purpose. And when we find your purpose, it will change your life for the better. And so this morning I want to challenge you. We need to stay rooted to praise and to purpose. Need victory? Praise. Need provision? Praise. Need peace? Praise. Need a reason to get out of bed in the morning? Find purpose. Need, need a reason to, to uh, turn down the 21 top reasons to skip church on Sunday morning? Find your purpose. Quit just coming because it's the thing Christians are supposed to do. Find your purpose in this place, and God will change your perspective on all of it. I want you to stand with me this morning. <clears throat> you know what? I celebrate with House and Angie. We've seen the growth in them. They are a testimony of God's greatness and goodness. But I also believe that God has a plan for each of you. It will be specific to you. And I'm just excited that we get to watch that unfold. Father, this morning, my prayer is this. We would become more committed and dedicated and involved in worship and in praise than we've ever been. Father, I pray that we wouldn't take any Sundays off. When we come to this place, we would engage in worship. Father, I pray that we would understand and recognize that praise is a weapon. Father, the truth is this morning is that some of our weapons are dull because we haven't used them. We've listened to other pre people praise. We've watched as other people have entered into your presence. But we have not personally gone into battle. Father, this morning I'm praying that you would help us to personally, week after week, and not just on Sunday, God, I pray that throughout the days of our lives, every morning, every afternoon, every evening, we would spend time in worshiping you. Father, we understand our victory is wrapped up in our praise. We understand that our praise has to go out before we ever see victory. Father, we understand that you have provisions for us that are hinged upon our praise. God, let us get all the plunder. God, I pray over this body. We believe you're going to prosper us. But we also know that we have a part to play. Let our praise rise up in this house to a new level, to a deeper depth. God, take us to more of your presence, more intimate with you on Sundays so that we can receive the plunder that you have for us. And God, I pray for peace for those that are heartbroken this morning. Those who have suffered loss. Those who have been struggling. God, I pray that as they praise you, your peace would overtake them as their vision is corrected. And Father, I also pray for purpose. I pray that each individual under the sound of my voice would find their place of purpose, whether that be serving here or serving in some other ministry role in their daily life. God, I pray that you would help us each. We don't want to just wander through life. God, we want to find the purpose and the plan 
that you designed us for. Help us to find that so that we can serve you and grow in you. In Jesus' name. to end in praise this morning come on let's give him a hand clap of praise for who he is this morning God we worship get you some peace this morning get you some plunder this morning get you some victory this morning been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. 